Two days married, and they were at war already. Tom was in his uniform beside her. Irene was used to the scratchy feel of it as they sat pressed close to each other on the train. He had his cap in his hands. Their bags were stowed on the racks above them, and they sat together quietly as the train rattled on. The newlyweds were heading north, and they weren't talking to each other. Irene watched the others who shared their compartment. She liked the way they looked at her handsome husband. They nodded respectfully, taking note of his rank. They looked at her, too. Who was she? They were obviously a couple, the smart airman and his new bride. They hadn't said a word to each other for an hour. When, for a few minutes, they had the carriage to themselves, Tom spoke up. I still think it's stupid, that's all. Stupid, she gasped. It's dangerous. It stands to reason that it's more dangerous to be living on Tyneside than in the wilds of Norfolk. You'd be much better off staying with your own family. Irene pursed her lips. I'm not going back and living there with my lot. I'm a married woman now. I've had enough of living at home. I'm sick of them all. You'll not say that after you've lived with my family for a few days, he promised. I can't go back and live in our village, she insisted. I belong with you. I won't even be there, he said, getting exasperated now. In another three days, I'll be back in Lincoln. I'll be back at the air base. I won't even be at my mam's house for very long. Irene was dead set. There was no way she was going back to Hunworth, her tiny village in Norfolk. She'd had 18 years there already, all her life so far. Nothing ever happened there. They barely had electricity. It was like being back in the times of Queen Victoria. You've told me so much about your family and your town. I want to see South Shields for myself. He'd filled her head with pictures of the seaside and the ice cream parlour and beautiful marine park with the bandstand where there were dancers on summer nights. He made his hometown sound marvellous. Life down by the docks where his family lived seemed hectic and bustling. Irene felt like it was time that she lived somewhere busy and saw a bit of life for herself. You won't like it, he said sternly. I wish you'd listen to me. My family, well, they're a funny lot and they're all crammed into this tiny little house on Frederick Street. I'm used to living with a big family. Irene had six sisters, and they'd shared a room together all their lives. It was the claustrophobia of her own sisters and her overbearing ma that she was running away from. Anywhere would seem like a palace compared with her family's cottage on the village green, even a cramped terrace house by the docks. But her new husband thought she was being foolish. He sat there looking cross as their carriage filled up with new passengers and they were forced to be quiet again. They weren't about to have a row in front of strangers. Irene felt herself going redder and redder with pent-up emotion. She was dying to yell at him and make her feelings plain. Three months since they had first met, at a dance for airmen and land girls, and they hadn't had a crossword yet. Not until now. Not until the slow train journey north. Now all the tensions were coming out. She cast a sideways glance at Tom, and he was staring straight ahead. He looked just as handsome as he always did, but wasn't there a stubborn look about him, a truculent expression in his round face that she hadn't noticed before? Irene sighed. 
Well, he could complain all he wanted. They were travelling north now. She was going to meet all his family and she was going to live with them. She was one of them now and they were just going to have to lump it. She pulled her cardigan over her short-sleeved dress. Her going-away clothes were brand new. They were special and unfamiliar. She hadn't had anything new for almost a year. This was an occasion, and she felt proud of wearing the dress. It was all warm autumnal colours, amber and red. It was from the fancy shop in Holt. She winced at the expense and all the coupons it took. Then the noise of the engine was changing and the wheels underneath were shrieking. The other passengers were stirring, reaching for bags. Tom nodded at her without smiling. York Station, he said. We change here. She took down her own bags and refused to let him help her. They clambered down onto the steamy, noisy platform and the crowd felt overwhelming. She drew closer to Tom as he elbowed his way through the mass of people. Irene really wished they hadn't rowed. He was the last person she wanted to be arguing with. He only had a short few days of honeymoon leave and it felt like they were wasting precious hours. In amongst the kerfuffle and steam and shouting and all the people shoving about on the platform with their cases and bags, suddenly Tom was standing stock still. He was frozen for a moment on the busy platform like he was having a seizure. Irene followed his stare and she saw the newspaper man with heaps of the evening edition. Headlines emblazoned on his boards. She could hardly make sense of the words. Tom was darting forward to grab him and ask what was going on. He was practically shaking the little man until his teeth rattled in his head. The truth was soon told. Tyneside had been bombed. The Luftwaffe had come out of nowhere, seizing their chance. Last night they had roared over the North Sea and into the mouth of the Tyne. They had raged and stormed over the docks, raining destruction on the heads of all who lived there. Many, many were dead.